you know, we, we, go to the, uh, we go to our favorite sports arenas to see our favorite teams, and we go there to celebrate and to cheer them on, and we're excited about what, is, what, uh, what happens with them, and when they score, we're excited about it. Well, I wonder if there's anybody that knows what we came here to do this morning. We came here not to sit quiet, but we came here, guess what, to lift and praise the God that woke you up this morning. Now, if that was for me, that'd be okay. But come on, let's give God a great praise. There it is. This has been an exciting and exciting year for my wife and I, my family and I. This actually is the, the one-year anniversary since uh, we followed God here from Michigan to California. And so we made it one year. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course, uh, the greatest thing that I love the most is uh, that, 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 that this has been my second snowless winter. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. I'm glad that we have the, I have had the opportunity uh, to enjoy this weather and to enjoy uh, this time here with you guys. Uh, the, the thing that, is, that has been a blessing to me is the fact that, you know, there have been a lot of things that we have experienced over this year. There have been many challenging things that took place this year. Uh, even though this is a milestone within this year, there are many challenging things, many trials, uh, suffering that took place. Uh, and we also saw God's hand move miraculously in our lives. And this may be the case for many of you today uh, as, we, as this is the last Sunday of 2014. You here today, this may be a milestone for you. Some of you, you have experienced some challenging things this year. Uh, you, you didn't end out the year with the same people that you started the beginning of the year with. Some of you lost some loved ones. Some of you lost some friends. Some of you had some changes in your employment or uh, changes in your career. Uh, and as a result, now we here, we're here at the end of the year. And some of you are even wondering how in the world it is that you made it. In fact, some of you, if you'd be real with yourself, you think that you made it to the end of the year because you were cool. You think it's because you got the moves like Jagger. And because you just got it all together and that's how you made it. But then there's one or two of us in this place, uh, if, you're any, if you're anything like me, that you come to the realization that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, should have lost my mind a long time ago. Come on, somebody. But I'm so thankful that by his grace that I've made it. And in fact, you know, the psalmist David, uh, he says something about this. And I think that it's just relevant. I see what I did there. Uh, it's relevant to, to where we are, and it's relevant to our church as we come towards the close of this year. Uh, Psalm, the book of Psalms, we're going to Psalm 124. Not preaching from here, but I just want to encourage us to focus our mind thusly, if you will. So Psalm 124, the psalmist declares, if I can get there, <laughs> he says, look at what he says. I'm going there. He says, if it had not been, look, for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. 
When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Then the debt collectors came and they tried to take away my car, but the Lord provided the money at the last moment. Hello, somebody. When I lost that loved one and I was sitting there wondering, how am I going to make it? But God regulated my mind. Is there a church in this place? When I, when I was sitting there at the table wondering, how in the world am I going to provide? for my family but someone showed up at the door with a box of groceries is there a church in this place if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side I don't know where I'd be and then David switches gears and said blessed be the Lord he gives him a praise who has not given us as prey to their teeth we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. And then look for the future. He says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Now, one last time, if you will, if you know that you made it because the Lord was on your side. I know I already asked you to praise him, but he doesn't get tired of your praise. In fact, he likes it. So why don't we go on the count of three and let's give God the best praise you've given him all year. Come on. One, two, three. Come on. Give it to him. You've been good to us, Jesus, when we haven't even been good to ourselves, And we thank you for it. And so let's bow our heads. We're going to jump right into the word. And uh, God, we're just so thankful for this preaching moment. So thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to declare your word unto your people. I pray, God, even now that you would arrest this time, that you would impact my life as you impact theirs. We pray against every distraction, every plan of the enemy. Uh, named Satan to try and distract us or to take our minds elsewhere. I pray that indeed, Lord, you would let life change take place. May someone leave here better than they came through those doors. And guess what, God? We're not going to take the glory for it, but we're going to give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. amen. If you can just lend me a few moments of your time, I just want to preach to you uh, from a subject entitled uh, Jump Off and Move Forward. Look at your neighbor, if you will. Just help me preach. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor. neighbor. Come on, talk to him. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. neighbor. Jump, off Jump off and move forward. Look at somebody else. Give him a high five. Tell him, neighbor. neighbor. You look good. <laughs> Jump off and move forward. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. What book did I say? Philippians chapter 3, we're going to look at from verse 12, and I feel that this is a fitting text, a fitting passage for where we are uh, as we come to the completion of this year. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul uh, somewhat looks in retrospective analysis of his life and things that have taken place in his life to that point, and he makes some declarative statements that I believe that if we grab and we adapt and adopt into our lives and walk them out, that we can be the better for it. Do you have expectation this morning? You expect something good out of God's word? Okay, let's jump right into it. Verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it. Someone say it. it. To make it my own because Jesus Christ, uh, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So he starts by saying, 
Oh, wait, but actually, let me keep reading. Verse 13 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press. Someone shout, I press. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And verse 15 says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you th- in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So Paul starts out. By saying, now, not that I have already obtained this. What is the this that he's talking about? What is the this that he's talking about? He says he hasn't attained this. And then he goes on and talks about that he's not already perfect. The this, in order for us to find out, uh, Johnny, we've got to look one verse before. It says in chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him. This is the this he's talking about. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then he says, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Help me preach this, Jesus. Paul is saying that he, his desire is to know God in a deeper way. He wants to know God. Watch this, this thing that he has not yet attained. Uh, he's saying he wants to know God and not just know him at surface, but he wants to know him in the power of his resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul is saying, I want to experience this same power in my life. Are you with me this morning? And so his desire, he's saying, I don't just want to know him at the surface, but I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. That same power. Anybody need some power in your life? Anybody know that you can't make it on your own? He says, I want to experience that power. And then he goes on and says, and may share in his sufferings. Man, that's not, a, you know, that's not something that we find common today. There aren't too many people that are desirous of sharing in his sufferings. In fact, you'll find many people who want the glory of the cross, but don't want to share in the suffering of the cross. But is there a church in here this morning that knows that you can't experience the glory if you don't first go through the suffering? Without suffering for it first, come on somebody, it's a flash in the pan. But when you've been through some stuff, before you experience the glory of the Lord, that's glory that's established in your life. He says he wants to share in the sufferings. He wants to share in the sufferings. He's desirous to share in the suffering. Many of us, we're like, okay, if I suffer, I might suffer, and these things might happen in my life, and you know, golly gee, I'm going to make it through. But he says, no, I'm not just going to make it through, but I desire to go through the suffering so that I can identify and know Christ on a deeper level. Can I, can I show you this? Look, before Paul even got on the scene, before Paul was saved, Jamel, let's look here, if you will. Uh, look at, uh, keep your finger in Philippians chapter 3. Look at Acts chapter 5. What book did I say? Yes. Acts chapter 5. We're going to Acts chapter 5, uh, and we're looking at verse 40 and 41. Now, this is, this is some awesome stuff because we find that these apostles, they were in a position where they were told that they are not allowed to preach in the name of Jesus. 
And now we live in a country where we are able to be here in this uh, movie theater. In an open public setting, we are able to be here and yet and still we can lift and praise the name of Jesus. And many of us, even though we have this open opportunity, we do not use the opportunity, but we neglect the opportunity to lift Jesus and give him glory. And we find that these apostles who were in a position where it was illegal, where they could have even faced imprisonment or death because of preaching the gospel, that they were individuals that that continued to go on and preach because earlier in the chapter, they declared that they would rather obey God than man. And many of us, many of us, you don't have to say amen, you might just have to say ouch, but many of us, our mouths have been shut up. And the reason why we haven't been declaring the gospel is because we care more about what people think than what, than what God thinks. But I wonder if there's anybody in this place that says that God has been way too good to me. Come on, somebody. He's been mm-mm good. He's been better than Campbell's soup. And so I don't have a choice. It's like a fire that shut, man, I feel it. It's like a fire that shut up in my bones. I gotta tell somebody about him. Am I the only person that's experienced him in that manner? Where it's so good that even if I even if I didn't want to talk about it, I mean it's just it's in me, I gotta share it. And they had this experience, they rather would have obeyed God than man. But look at the consequences. We're talking about suffering. Look, verse 40, he says, and when they had called in all the apostles, they beat them. They did what? They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So as a result of them being in this position where they disobey the officials and speak in the name of Jesus, they are taken, they are beaten after a gentleman gives uh, the, 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 the uh, officials some counsel. He lets them go, but he beats them first. And then look at what verse 41 says says, then they left the presence of the council pouting. Are you reading? They left the presence of the council doing what? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They didn't leave pouting. Nobody knows the trouble I see. No. They didn't leave pouting, but they rejoiced because the suffering that they were going through and experiencing was not because of evil doing, but it was because they were standing for the name of Jesus. Man, I'm here to tell you, baby, that many of us, we shout and we get excited and we jump and we clap and we praise God only when there's prosperity in our lives. But I wonder if there's a church in this place that says, come hell or high water, even if I'm going through some mess. The fact of the matter is, man, I feel like preaching that God has been still good to me and nothing I'm going through denounces or stops the fact that he rose from the dead with all power and that power is active in my life. And really, if I look back over my life in 2014, although there have been some challenging situations, if I'd be real with myself, the fact is that the good has outweighed the bad. And even though there have been some challenges, God has blessed me every time I tell me to calm down I feel it he's so good he's so good Uh, and so and so they're not just excited uh, about blessing but they rejoice and they shout and they leave being beaten 
and they're rejoicing about suffering. And so I hear, I hear Peter say, uh, as you turn back to Philippians chapter 3, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 12 and onward, uh, uh, Mark, he says, you know, he challenges us and he says, you know, he says, think it not strange when you enter into fiery trials. And then he goes on and he talks about, he says, he says some awesome things about trials, but then he goes on and he says that when you are insulted, then you are blessed. When you are insulted for standing for the name of Jesus, when people talk about you on your job and your family call you a holy roller, come on somebody, when they make fun of you because of the stand that you took for the gospel of Jesus and the move that you made in his name, when they make these things and these things happen, it's not something that's a negative thing. The fact is you are blessed when this takes place. And so we go, as we go back to the text, look, uh, as we go back to the text, so he says, he says that he wants to know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, uh, becoming like him in his death. Not only is he willing to suffer and does he desire to suffer, but he's even willing to follow Christ and to know him and identify not just with spiritually in his death, but even to the point of death. If he would get to the place where he would become a martyr for following the truth and following Jesus, he was willing to do so because he so wanted to identify with Christ. And then he goes on and says that by any means possible that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So what are you saying, Pastor Drew? Is Paul saying here that his desire is that he needs to suffer and that he needs to die and become a martyr? And by doing so, that that is how he is going to get to heaven? Is he saying that he wants to work and work so that he can get there? No, because this would be a contradiction of what he states in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, where he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of, come on Bible readers, not of, works lest any man should boast but it is the gift of God and so clearly he's not talking about the salvation that we receive when we put trust and faith in Christ he's not talking about the salvation that comes when you hear the gospel that Jesus died for your sins he rose from the dead with all power and that you can have eternal life and you put your trust in your faith in him he's not talking about this in fact he is he is secure and has assurance that his citizenship is in heaven. Later in the text, if you will, look at it. In, verse, in, in, uh, in this same chapter, in verse 20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21 is what he's talking about. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so the resurrection that he's looking forward to, he's not talking about working so he can be saved. But he's saying, I so desire to identify with Christ that I'll go through that. I want to know his power of his resurrection, that I will go through this life and experience suffering. Not only this, but I'm willing to go to the point, even if I end up dying, no matter what happens, there is nothing that is going to take my focus off of seeing that day that is coming when my body will be changed and what has happened on the inside is going to happen completely on the outside 
Man, there's some of you in this place who have lost loved ones. There are many, if time goes on, as years go on, many more people will pass away. But blessed is the death of the saints, the Bible says, in the sight of the Lord. You know why? Because to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And so I'm here to tell you not to desensitize or try to downplay what has happened. But there is joy that awaits those of us that have put trust and faith in Christ. And, the, and death is not a period. It's just a comma because there's something that's coming that is even greater than this life. And so Paul says he wants to experience, to attain these things. Uh, and, so, and so, you know, going forward, so, so verse 12, this is where we were. He says, not that I have already obtained this. That was the this. Or am already perfect. Someone say perfect. The word perfect there in the Greek in the original is teliu, teliu. And that word means, is it's written, it means completed. Someone say completed. It means completed or finished. It means done, like after you've put a pie in the oven and it's cooked at 350 degrees. And then after a while you smell it from the outside and you know that it's, I'm not trying to make you hungry, but... Uh, but you know that it's ready for it to come out of the oven because it's done, it's complete. I'm here to tell you that he's not finished with you yet. And Paul made it clear. He says, I have not, not only have I not known him completely, but I myself are not, am not in a place of perfection. He, aren't you glad that you're a part of a church that has a slogan, no perfect people allowed? I wouldn't be able to stand up front in front of y'all if there were, if it was a, a church about perfect people. I wonder if there's someone in this place, you know, I know some of you, I know some of you were born and you came out by water birth in the baptismal pool. And I know they mixed some communion in your in your formula and you you know in your and your diapers they smelt like roses and goody goody gumdrops. But there's one or two of us that realize the fact of the matter is that we are feast still working on us. Is there one or two people in this place that say, Man, I wish I could have it all together? But when I think about myself, man, you know what? I'm still tore up from the floor up. I might not be where I used to be, but I'm not where I could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that should have set somebody free right there. He says, he says in the text, uh, not that I'm already perfect, uh, uh, not that I'm already perfect. You know, when Spain uh, ruled the world in the 15th century, uh, they were very arrogant. Uh, and let me move by here quickly. But they were very arrogant. And as a result, their, their coins, on their coins, in Latin it read, Nay plus ultra, which meant, which meant nothing further because they believed that they were the ultimate, that they were the ultimate. There was nothing beyond them until Christopher Columbus goes and he discovers uh, the new world. And then they, after the discovery of the new world, they change what's on their coin uh, to, uh, to, instead of uh, ne plus ultra, it's changed to plus ultra, meaning more beyond. And there are many of us that have a ne plus ultra on us because we think that we're complete. Come on, somebody. But I wonder if there's anybody in this place that actually says plus ultra, that there's more beyond where I am. I, God is still working on me, and there's still stuff that he's trying to work out in my life. 
I hear the, I hear the Bible say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, uh, I love this scripture. Uh, Marari, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, of those whose faces have been unveiled uh, through the, when we look at Christ, uh, when we turn to Christ, our faces are unveiled. And now we can look at God. We can behold the glory of the Lord without and without sin and without these things blocking our view because they're taken away in Christ. Are you with me? And so he says, watch this, talking about this progression. He says that as we do this, we are changed into the same image that we behold. Because this whole life, this Christian life is about God transforming us to become like he is. And he says that as we behold him without this veil over our face, that we are changed or transformed from season to season or from time to time or in our context from year to year, even as by the spirit of the Lord. I know that you don't have it all together. And the fact of the matter is you're not going to get it all together. But the good news is, is that you more than likely where you started is not where you are anymore. And so Paul, he talks about this progression. And I want you to understand, I want you to understand, he's, so he, he's making it clear. He says he doesn't stay there, but then going on to verse, look where he says in, in the B part of verse 12, but I press on to make it my own. Because many of us, watch this, we use the fact that we're not perfect as a crutch. So what happens is, oh, I messed up, but you know I'm not perfect, so. And what we'll do is that, you know, I'm not perfect. We use that as a crutch in order that we will not progress or go farther in life. Hello, somebody. But the fact is that your imperfection is not supposed to be a crutch. It's supposed to be a marker to say, you know what? There's still stuff that I need to put at the foot of the cross so that Jesus can work himself out in me. It's the process that we call sanctification. It's a theological word. It's called sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. And what it is, uh, when we come to Christ and we put trust and faith in him and his finished work on the cross, we are justified. We're made right with God. We become a part of his family. And what takes place when that happens, as we become a part of his family, at that simultaneously, we are sanctified. And this, this, this process of sanctification begins at that moment. This, to be sanctified means to be set apart for holy use. But although this sanctification happens and we're sanctified in that sense the pro there's a process of sanctification that takes place where God continues to form himself in us and what has happened on the inside because it's your inside that's saved this flesh ain't gonna be changed until Jesus returns and what happens on the inside, he forms through sanctification. He works it to the outside. It's a process, a partnership between God and man by which progressive freedom from sin and outward godliness are the result. And so it is, so it is a partnership between God and man. Now look, prior to salvation, prior to you being regenerated or converted... You had no power and I had no power to do anything that would please God. So Jesus was completely responsible for you being saved. Come on, somebody. We weren't seeking God, but Jesus drew us and Jesus saved us. 
But after he's made us alive, he's now made us alive. And then we therefore now have the strength and the power through him to be able to make efforts towards living lives that please him. So if you're in Christ, you might not have known it, but you have been given the power to live a life that's a pleasing to God. Are you still with me? And so although God is responsible for the growth ultimately, we are also responsible for doing certain things in this partnership of sanctification. In fact, this is why you will see in scripture previously when you see certain scriptures, they wouldn't apply to us because we didn't have the strength. But when you look at scriptures, for example, such as James 4 verse 7 and 8, James 4 it's verse 7, it says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Then he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Many of us can't resist. Why? Because we haven't first done our part and submitted ourselves to God. If you can't say amen, just say ouch. Verse 8 goes on and he says, draw near unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. So there's an effort as we draw nigh unto God, that's our part, God draws near unto us. How about Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3? He says, now that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says that we are, watch this, we are supposed to lay aside, this is our part, lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And after we do that, he says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So my responsibility is to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets me and also to look to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And through looking to Jesus, there is a work that he does in my life. Can I clue you in on something? Realize and understand that focusing on your sin and your errors does not bring change in your life. Many of you have been obsessive about the mistakes that you've made and your focus has been on all of your error. And you think, man, if I focus on this sin and identifying and trying to work it out and trying to figure it out, that that's the way. That, but I wonder if there's anyone in this place that focusing knows that focusing on sin doesn't bring deliverance, but focusing on Jesus brings deliverance. And so my job is not to work it out. My job is just to look at Jesus. And as I look to him, not only is he the author of my faith but he'll bring it to completion Philippians 4 6 be careful for nothing but in everything bring make your request made known unto God with thanksgiving and then he goes on in verse 7 and says when we do that then the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is true, but we first have to be anxious for nothing and be careful for nothing. And our partnership with God through the power that he's put inside of us by the Holy Spirit, that gives us the ability to walk then in this peace. So as I come to my close, watch this as we move forward in the text. He says, watch this. He says in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Speaking about perfection. And then he goes on and he says, watch this, but one thing I do, forgetting, somebody say forgetting, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, not just pressing forward, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So he says, I'm not perfect, 
but I'm straining and pressing towards perfection through this thing that we've learned about and talked about called sanctification, which will be completed when Christ returns. But this word forget, look, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try and, and, and say it anyway. It's a long Greek word, forget. Uh, it's epilanthanamhi. And what it means is to neglect or to no longer care for. So he says, I'm forgetting, I'm neglecting, I'm not caring about or investing time and dollars into, watch this, the past. He says, I'm forgetting that and, and, and I'm pressing forward to what's ahead. Is there anyone in here that realizes that no, how, no matter how much you invest in your past, you can't change it? Let me say that again. Some of y'all been putting a whole heap of effort into your past, but the fact of the matter is that no matter how much you focus on it, no matter how much effort you put into it, it's not going to change it. And so Paul says, forgetting, but Pastor Drew, what are you talking about? What about the lessons that I learned in the past? What about the things that I learned? Are you telling me to forget the lessons? No, I'm not for telling you to forget the lessons. And I understand that some things take healing in our past. Hello, somebody. And it takes time for stuff to heal. But some of y'all been healing for 40 years. And it's time for you to just go ahead and be healed. Using stuff as a crutch to stop you from being progressed. God wanted to do some stuff in some of your lives, but you have not experienced it yet because you're too busy driving, looking in the rearview mirror. And so it's not just the bad things, but it's also the good things. The fact is, Paul, he makes this statement in verses 4 through 8. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Exercising some pretty good humility there, right? He says, he goes on and he says, look, he says, circumcised on the eighth day of the, uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. He's saying, if it was possible to experience perfection by way of the law, I was pretty close to this thing. And then he goes on and he makes this statement. He says, uh, he says that even though this is the case, even though this is the case, he says in verse uh, 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted as rubbish. He says, I was a great person. I had a lot that I could have put under my belt. There were so many accolades and stars that I was decorated with in the name of Jesus. In fact, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But he says, you know what? Because I realize that I am not yet perfect. I do not yet know Jesus in the deepest way possible. I am not yet made new. And so no matter what good has happened in my life, I'm not going to focus and pay attention and invest all my time in the past glory days because there's there, the, the, the knowledge that comes through pressing towards Christ is greater. And he says, it's rubbish. You know what that is? Rubbish is the word scubalon. You know what scubalon is? Doo-doo. It literally means dung. He says, 
all the glory that has happened in the past is not greater than that which will come through me pressing towards getting a deeper and greater knowledge of Jesus. And many of you have been, have been stopped because of this ex- that you've been experiencing. Many of you have, many of you have, have, uh, you've experienced, you, you, you've, been, you've been stopped from experiencing what God has to you. This is a treadmill for those who don't know. And, and, and as I'm on this treadmill, the fact of the matter is that although I'm walking at this point in time, and I'm exerting energy, I'm going absolutely nowhere. Are y'all with me? In fact, watch this. A lot of you go to the gym, and when you're done at the gym, you talk about how you ran six miles. Come on, somebody. And you didn't go nowhere. That that must be an awfully large gym or an awfully large room for you to run six miles. But what is happening, this is virtual distance. This is virtual. I'm not actually going anywhere. I'm literally in the same spot, but I'm exerting myself. Some of you are sweating. Come on, somebody. And you even lose weight, but you're not going nowhere. And many of us, this is the way it is with our mind. Come on, somebody. Your, your, your thought life, you're your making efforts, you're fighting, you're sweating, you're, you're exerting yourself based upon the things that have happened in your past, but you're not going anywhere. Can I tell you that activity does not always equal productivity? Can I tell you that just because you're moving doesn't mean that you're going somewhere? How about this? Your, your mind, your mind is like, many of you, your mind is like this belt. It's not like the belt that we have in the, in the, in the airport. You know those belts as you're walking down, you can jump on and it helps take you forward. Many of us, our thought life is like this belt. We're fighting and we're trying to move forward, but the whole time we're fighting this belt, which is going which way? Backwards. Backwards. Trying to press forward, trying to get better, but I'm fighting backwards. Trying to go forward, but I can't let go of that rape or that molestation. Fighting backwards. Trying to go forward, but I'm scared to try and apply for a loan because of the fact that I I lost my house previously. Fighting what has happened in the back. God wants to do great and mighty things in my life, but I'm not willing to let go of the glory days. So I'm fighting going backwards. And I don't know about you, but eventually, eventually you get to the place where you're running and you're exerting so much energy but you get to a place where you say you know what you say you know what I'm tired of fighting I'm tired of fighting against my past I'm tired of fighting against the experiences of old I'm tired of experiencing all of these things and you get to the place where you have either two choices how many choices two choices one is you're going to stop and go the direction that the, tr- that the belt is taking you. You're going to go back to where your mind came from. Or you're going to make the decision that instead of jump staying on here. Or instead of stopping and going backwards. That I'm going to jump off and move forward. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. And pressing forward towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Because he's not done with me. Philippians 1 verse 6. He who has begun a good work in you is willing to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I have some more to say but I'm going to leave that for next time. 
Somebody in this place today, you might be in this place and you're saying, you know what? I've been in a position where there have been things, good and bad, that have happened in my life this year. But at this moment, I want to identify with Paul. I want to have that same mindset. I want to be one who is going to jump off and move forward into the things that God has for 2015. I'm wanting to move out of depression and walk in to knowing that I am valued and loved by the creator. Man, I feel God's power in this place. And if that person is you, I know this is unconventional, but, I, but I'm challenging you. If you can, I want you to stand to your feet in commitment saying, God, I'm jumping off and I'm moving forward. If that person is you, go ahead and stand up where you are. Yes. If you're saying, I'm jumping off and moving forward, doesn't matter what lies behind, there's greater ahead. Yes. God sees that commitment. Hallelujah. Come on, if that person is you, I'm jumping off. It doesn't matter what lies behind. It doesn't matter what happened in my past. Hallelujah. Come on, can we sing that? You make all things new, say. Come on, sing it if you believe it. You make all things new. 